this past week has been a really hard week for all of us as we've watched what happened to George Floyd in Minneapolis, Minnesota, to see him killed in broad daylight. It's cut my heart to the quick. And I hope for all of us as God's people that it's been our wake-up call and a reminder of why we must be people of justice. And like I said last week, that God in Exodus chapter 3, he says this. He says, I have seen the oppression of my people. He said, I have heard the cries of their oppression. And he says, I've come down to rescue them. And then he says this, but I'm sending you to set them free. And I want to use our time today to remind all of us that God's plan for justice involves you. His plan is to send you to become a person of justice. So when we see something like what happens to George Floyd, our response must be to speak out. Our response must be to say it will never happen again and do all in our power to prevent anything like that from ever happening again. And to our African-American brothers and sisters, I want to say we're walking with you in this. We're here with you. You don't suffer or cry out alone. And so I I want to use our time to talk about why justice matters. Why is it so important in the Bible? Because when you read the Bible, it beats with God's heart for justice. Just to remind you of that, I want to go through a few quick scripture references as a reminder that all through scripture, from the Torah to the book of Revelation, it talks about justice. I just quoted from the Torah in Exodus. I'll pick up in the wisdom books. In Job chapter 29, we read, this is verse 12, I rescued the poor who cried for help. I made the widow heart sing. This is Psalm. This is, this is David speaking, 140, 146. He upholds, God upholds the cause of the oppressed and he gives food to the hungry. Proverbs 28, 5. Wicked people, evil people do not understand justice. If we get to, to the prophets, Amos says this. Uh, this is Amos 5, 24. Let justice roll on like a river, Micah 6, 8. And he reminds us here, what does God require of you? But to do justice and to love mercy and to keep walking with God. And then when you, when you turn to the gospels, Jesus gives his first sermon, his first sermon ever. And he says these famous words in Luke chapter, chapter four. This is verse 18, 17 and 18. He says, he has anointed me. God has anointed me to proclaim good news for the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free. Do you see what I mean when I say God keeps calling us over and over again to justice? And you can't miss that underneath it all, God is disturbed by injustice. In fact, I'll say this, God hates injustice of every kind and he wants it stopped. And then like I said a moment ago, you are his plan for bringing justice to this world, for lifting up the oppressed. But what does this word justice mean? Because I think it has several different faces. I think when you read scripture, you see it talked about in a number of different ways. So I want to unpack that a little bit today. And the first thing I want to say is that justice means dignity and equality. It means dignity and equality for every person. When you 
turn just the first one, two pages of the Bible. You read God's heart for this. And you can't miss this. This is Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. So God created human beings in his own image. We talk about this as the Imago Dei, the image of God. And he says, in the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. So you see, God for, for once and forever establishes in the beginning of Scripture that every person has equal worth and dignity because they are made in his image. Every person, regardless of race or ethnicity or nationality or immigration sta- status, male or female, are all equally made in his image. That, that's the underlying theology of justice, that every person needs to be treated with respect and with dignity and with love and equally because we are all made in God's children, in God's image. We are all his children. We are all brothers and sisters in Christ in that way. Don't ever forget that. In 1865, we passed laws in our country uh, to abolish slavery. We made it against the law. But there are some things that laws cannot change, unfortunately. Laws cannot change the hearts of people. Because even though our laws abolish slavery, in many parts of our country, people of color were still treated as less than. There were, there were new laws called uh, Jim Crow laws that, that came about and, emer- and emerged in different counties or towns or cities and states that held people of color down, that, that were prejudiced against them. And that kept on for almost another hundred years until in, in 1955, a young preacher from Atlanta, Georgia, you know his name well, uh, Dr. Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. He starts to preach about equality and justice and he starts this equal rights movement. And all he's saying is, is that all people need to be treated equally because we are all made in the image of God. And then in 1963, on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, he famously says these words. He says, I have a dream. I have a dream. It's one of my favorite speeches ever. I have a dream that one day my four little children will... (laughs) I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. And when we listen to, when we read Dr. Martin Luther King's dream for our society, it's not just his dream or our dream, it's God's dream because God is the one who made us all to be equal in his image. And so, for example, in our churches, in our homes, in our workplaces, we must be advocates that all people are included and treated with equal dignity and respect. So when we talk about justice, I say first that justice means equality and dignity. I'll say this next. Justice is freedom and liberty. So when we read Exodus, we read in chapter 3. If we go back a few pages to Exodus chapter to chapter 1. Uh, I'm sorry, if we go forward to Exodus chapter 8, then we read Moses now. He's doing what God calls him to do. And he goes to Pharaoh and he says these famous words. He says, let my people go. 
And he says, not, doesn't just say let them go. He says, let them go so they can worship me. Don't ever miss that God connects our worship to justice. That if, if our worship in our places of worship are not voices for justice and equality, then something is missing. But he says, go let my, he says to Pharaoh, let my people go. And then when Pharaoh starts to resist, then God brings down all the resources of heaven, crashing down on Pharaoh until he relents and he lets his people go. But this idea of freedom and liberty are a justice staple. You can't have justice without freedom and liberty. And so in scripture, there's always this cry to let my people go when they're held down in any way, trapped down, held to the ground like George Floyd was. Then God and his words say, let my people go. I'll read a few more texts from scripture because it's not just in Exodus that we read that. If we look at Psalm 82, David writes, he rescues the poor and the helpless. He delivers them from the grasp of the evil. In Isaiah chapter 58, the prophet writes this, loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. In the Gospels, we read Luke 4, 17. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for prisoners and to set the oppressed free. Do you hear that constant drumbeat of liberty and freedom? That's what's connected to justice. Every movement, I think usually starts with one person, one voice. Right now in our country, we have a voice for freeing people, especially minorities and people of color who have been over-incarcerated. And his name is Brian Stevenson. And Brian Stevenson has become this voice for freedom. He, he started the Equal Justice Initiative in Montgomery, Alabama when he was just a young lawyer out of law school. And he begins fighting for, for people who have been over-incarcerated or who uh, have been wrongly incarcerated, and he starts setting them free. Now we have a national outcry that those who are wrongly accused or over-incarcerated need to be set free. We have a lawyer in our own church at the Grove who has been inspired by Brian Stevenson, he says, through his law professor. And, and our lawyer at the Grove, his name is Sean St. Clair. And because of what Brian Stevenson has begun doing with the Equal Justice Initiative, then Sean St. Clair got on a plane with us and he traveled with Paul Gunther and our team to Malawi and he's begun to set prisoners free there. He says there are so many over-incarcerated young men and women who are in prison simply because they can't pay a $20 fine or simply because they don't have enough money to come before a judge so they stay in prison. And he goes there and every time he's there he sets dozens and dozens of prisoners free. My point is that freedom and liberty are all part of our pursuit of justice. So in any place in this world, in those problems of over-incarceration, not just in Malawi, Africa, they're happening here. And that we need to be voices for freedom and liberty as we talk about justice. What else does justice mean? I think justice also means to lift up the oppressed. Because that's how, how Jesus says it. Lift up the oppressed and to lift up the, the marginalized. Like I said in John chapter 4 verse 17, he ends by saying that, he, that God has anointed him and the spirit of God is on him to, uh, to set 
the oppressed, free to lift up the oppressed. Here's how the Amplified Bible reads in Luke chapter 4, verse 17. It reads like this, deliver those who are oppressed, who are downtrodden, bruised, crushed, and broken down. That's, that's how it reads. And when I read that text from the Amplified Bible, it feels like that text was written for George Floyd because it talks about those who are crushed down and downtrodden and stepped on and bruised. When we see that, we must stop it. We must speak up. We must say that's enough. It can't happen again. Justice is pulling the marginalized and the oppressed up off the ground and giving dignity and respect and equality to all people. So I said that justice is equality and dignity. I said justice is liberty and freedom. I said justice is to lift up the marginalized and oppressed. Finally, I want to say justice is compassion and mercy. Don't ever miss that in Scripture. We read it over and over again. In Matthew 25, Jesus makes the most bold and kind of disturbing statement ever. At the end of Matthew 25, he says, I was hungry and you fed me. He said, I was thirsty and you gave me water to drink. He said, I needed clothes and you clothed me. He said, I was a stranger, an immigrant foreigner, and you invited me into your homes. And then he makes this connection. He says, but then there are some of you who did not do those things. And he says, you won't spend eternity with me. I say it's a disturbing and a powerful statement because Jesus connects what we do or do not do about issues of justice with our spiritual condition. He draws a straight line between our spirituality and what we do or we do not do about justice. That's why I say we are called to be people of justice. Our God's plan for justice is you. Don't, you think with your one life you can't make a difference. I want to change your mind on that today. With your one life you can make a world of difference. But as I say that justice is compassion and mercy, as it's those two things, my mother called me this last Sunday afternoon because she had been watching our, our live stream and she had heard me preach. And I talked about the idea of being with another person, right? That, that when you're, you're with them in the, the hard times and you're with them in the good times. She, and she said that she called and she said, Palmer, you talked about with today. She said, why didn't you talk about compassion? I said, why do you say that? She says, well, do you know the definition of compassion? I, I said, well, yeah, compassion is mercy. She said, no, that's a synonym. You see, she was an English teacher. You can't get anything past her. She said, no, let me tell you what compassion means. She says, compassion means to suffer with. Do you hear that? Compassion means to suffer with someone. And then she said this. She said, and, and compassion implies that you are with a person in their suffering. That you are, in other words, you are with a person in their moment of injustice. You're not somewhere else. You're not, you're not crying out on their behalf from a distance, but you're actually with them in the trenches. That's why, that's why I say compassion and mercy are one of the faces of justice. And, and we can't be voices for justice unless we walk with the oppressed, unless we are with the poor. When I, when I say that, I think about my own story because I think many of you know that 
I help promote Barefoot Sundays and we hold Barefoot Sundays. And the reason I do that is because I spent almost half my life living in Africa. And in my, uh, in, in, on the mission where I grew up, the Sapo tribe kids that I played soccer with every day, just about all of them ran barefoot. And so as an adult, as I started going back to Africa, I started taking shoes with me because I had been there. I had known what it's like. I had seen how valuable a pair of shoes are. I simply, want, I simply share that to say that today, as we see people oppressed and held down and treated unjustly. It's time for us to step into that problem with them and walk with them and be there with them. Because of what I've seen in Africa living there, because of what I've seen in our own country as I've spent years, some years living in the deep south, some years living in big city Chicago, some years living in Los Angeles, uh, near, not too far from downtown at all. I wrote a manifesto for the church in our country, calling us to things that I feel we are not doing. And I first wrote it for our own church here, but then it turned out, it turned into chapter titles for a book that I've titled Barefoot Tribe. And I want to read this to you because this is a challenge that I wrote several years ago, but I don't think this challenge could be any more clear than it is for us right now. And it reads like this. We, God's people, we will stop injustice. We will, we will embrace people of every race, every nationality, and every background. Uh, we will become social entrepreneurs and promote fair trade. We will end extreme poverty. We'll become modern-day abolitionists. We will stop the spread of pandemics. I wrote that before we even had a pandemic in our own country. We will live simply so we can share more. We will spread the kingdom of heaven in places of hell on earth where people are beat down or held down or oppressed in any way. We will spread the kingdom of heaven there and we will love like Christ always. I share that because not only is this our time to make change, but I'm convinced that as people of God, as God's people, we really can make change. That your one life, your one voice does matter. And I want to convince you that you do have a justice calling. And I, I want to end by asking you this question. When the history books are written about 2020, when the history books are written about what happened to George Floyd, where were you? What, what will your children and your grandchildren say about you in this moment? Because this is our time. I hope that for none of us, that our children and grandchildren will say, well, he or she was silent. He or she stayed home. He or she did not say much. Because this is our moment to speak out. And I hope that your children and your grandchildren will say that you we're a voice for justice, that you took steps personally and, and corporately we've taken steps to make sure this never, things like this never happen again. So that's my challenge today is to become God's voice for justice in your workplace, in your living room, in your dorm room, in our classrooms, around your dining room table. Thank you for joining us today.